Welcome to Beyond the Boardroom with me, Kieran Paul. Today, we meet Olivia Knight of As You Sew. Founded in 1992, As You Sew is a non-profit foundation which promotes corporate social responsibility through shareholder advocacy, coalition building and legal strategies. Olivia leads its Racial Justice Initiative, which researches corporate actions on racial justice to create database scorecards. So welcome to the show, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. So just to get to know you first, I have some quick-fire questions. So, Olivia, cats or dogs? I love both, but I'm going to have to go with cats. Do you have a cat? I don't have one right now because there's a roaming pack of coyotes in my neighborhood and they tend to eat younger cats. Goodness me, that's not good. Yes, pretty horrible. Um, all right, bagels or muffins? Bagels. What book are you reading right now? I'm rereading Bell Hooks' Outlaw Culture. Uh, I love that book, and since she passed recently, it seemed a good time to reread it. Prefer fiction or nonfiction? Both, but right now skewing towards nonfiction. What is the last film you watched? Dune. That's the last film I saw at the cinema too, uh, but I really did not understand it. It was confusing. It didn't help that I started it at nine o'clock at night and then we finished it at like 12 a.m. It was a lot going on. (laughs) So now we've got to know you a little more, Olivia. Can you just outline what As You So does and then your role within it? Absolutely. So As You So is a shareholder advocacy nonprofit. We've been around for 30 years based in Northern California. Our focus is really creating ESG data on a variety of issues, and I lead the Racial Justice Initiative, which builds out racial justice scorecards on large-scale public companies focusing on the Russell 1000. Really track and monitor their corporate progress on a range of DEI transparency issues to environmental justice. You know, when you said it was 30 there and created in 1992, I thought that can't be right because I was born in 92 and aren't 30, but I am. I actually recently turned 30. It is. I was born in 1992 and I turn 30 this month. So (laughs) we're in the same boat. I'll be the same way. (laughs) And then tell us specifically about your role. So I was brought on board in 2020 to lead this new initiative. We started tracking corporate statements that all these companies made after George Floyd's murder, uh, because as you so realized that we needed to follow up on those statements, it couldn't just be bold promises that weren't tracked. And in the almost two years that I've been here, we've really seen tremendous corporate progress. And the Racial Justice Initiative has been leading that progress in the corporate space by bringing racial equity first and foremost to the conversation. So with with racial equity audits, Olivia, do you think proposals of this kind will help address issues of racial inequity in the coming proxy season? Absolutely. Uh, As you so believes, they're a very vital next step to 
proxy proposals, the racial justice resolutions that simply require companies to report on DEI metrics only cover the first layer. But these civil rights and racial equity audits should get into the company's programmatic workings very deeply and uncover truths that a company wouldn't be able to publicly recognize. And so we are co-filing a C2W resolution with Uber this year, and we're hoping that that unpacks some of the issues that we've seen come up with Uber during the pandemic. And you're also pushing for companies to disclose their EE01 surveys. Yes, we are. We believe that is a vital first step for companies to release that data, but we take it one step further in our resolutions and in our corporate dialogues by asking companies to release detailed hiring, retention, and promotion rates of people of color within their company. We believe that those three metrics are really the trifecta of DEI transparency. We can really see what a company is doing internally and how that externally improves their stakeholders' lives. Well, of course, this is what this is all about, isn't it? It's not just about business. It is about improving lives. Yes, absolutely. We believe that um, in this case, the trickle-down effect really does matter. If companies start showing up for racial equality and equity, um, we can see that have a material influence on workers, on shareholders, uh, on consumers. And I'm sure you'll agree, it's so important, isn't it, that young people can see people who look like them on boards. It does. Yes, it it really improves recruiting metrics for these companies, which is how we frame these conversations. We frame it along their bottom line, that this will help you improve because you're recruiting the best and the brightest. And we believe that by showing people of color in high levels of workforce composition, that that will encourage more people to want to join and feel accepted in these workplaces where perhaps they didn't before. How crucial would you say it is for companies to provide even more in-depth data on how they recruit, how they retain, and how they promote diverse candidates? It is very crucial. Since 2020, we've seen companies trying to take a stab at what it means to their business to incorporate DEI, and only now are we starting to see material outcomes to that. So we're starting to see programs fall into place and outcomes of those programs being publicized, but we're also seeing these key metrics being disclosed across the Russell 1000. And as someone who goes into these corporate meetings every day, it's becoming easier to ask for these metrics and companies are understanding that now it is extremely common. So if their competitors are doing it, chances are they're going to do it as well. And we really believe that that's the next step in these data sets and these racial justice and workplace equity scorecards is once we have that disclosure from large scale public companies, we can move on to ranking and rating the disclosure and their programs and see what really works. Yeah, you mentioned the scorecard. So your racial justice scorecard expanded late last year to cover the Russell 1000 as well as the S&P 500. Can you tell us more about it? So as I mentioned, we started researching these scorecards in the summer of 2020 after George Floyd's murder. Uh, We started looking at these corporate statements and after reviewing 
almost a thousand of them, we learned very quickly what is a good statement and what is a bad statement. So we worked closely with an advisory committee to determine what quantitates a good statement, uh, looking at specific key terms, so systemic racism, anti-racism, criminal reform, amongst others. And we developed 26 key performance indicators in six pillars. Three pillars are dedicated to just statement language. So we look at what a company said after Floyd's murder and then rank that. The rest are focused on DEI transparency and outreach to communities focused on racial justice. We feel like that really gives a full picture of not only what a company was saying that summer, but also how they've followed up. In August of 2021, we expanded these scorecards to cover environmental justice. So we added a seventh pillar with four KPIs that focus on purely what a company has done in the environmental realm and adverse effects to BIPOC communities, covering the last five to 10 years in order to give any viewers a full scope of how a company has been showing up for communities of color and really what their business practices have looked like long-term and if it matches with where the company says that they're at now. And we use these scorecards as the backbone of our corporate engagement. When we file shareholder resolutions, we tend to focus on low-scoring companies uh, in order to show them that it's also profitable to be high-scoring on these racial justice scorecards. So we use that leader laggard competitive model in order to make progress, which is something that as you so does so well. Do you expect to add more pillars in the next coming months or years? So we plan to do quarterly updates. And this year we plan to do one large scale update in late October, early November. And that will refresh all the data on the Russell 1000 as well as add a few new KPIs that we've worked with our advisory committee on and we feel are especially important to start tracking. So we are looking at AI bias as well as supply chain diversity, as well as adding more environmental justice KPIs to really get into the root of what's going on there and broaden the scope of our conversations with companies on these issues. Hi, my name is Ellie Klein from Schulte, Roth & Zabel. And we sponsored Insidia's Annual Review 2022. Now, Olivia, I'm quite eager to know this. What is your proudest moment at As You So? Uh, my proudest moment happened late last year when we released the Russell 1000. And the reason that was my proudest moment was because in the course of a year working at As You So, we went from having no data on racial justice, uh, having no corporate conversations on racial justice, to building out a scorecard on over a thousand public companies and having the scorecard gain massive attention. We were on the Today Show in 2021. Uh, We've talked to so many companies about these issues. We filed a range of racial justice proposals, climate justice proposals, and hope to expand to farm justice later this year. We've done so much work in such a short amount of time that I have so much hope that this will only continue to grow and make waves in the shareholder advocacy realm, as well as in the corporate boardrooms. And on the same note, what's been the most challenging? Every day it's a challenge to walk into these conversations with companies because I never know what kind of reception I'm going to get. 
as I was saying earlier, some companies are well on their way to meeting those racial equity goals that they mapped out in 2020, and some have been ignoring this issue. And so when we select companies to meet with, we inform them of their score, and we never know if it's going to be a positive reaction or not a positive reaction. If, if these companies are going to be willing to publicly disclose what they're doing behind the scenes, or if we're going to get met with staunch resistance. And so I'd say that's one of the most challenging issues that I run into daily is that everyone in America seems to be on a different page about racial equity and still coming to terms with what anti-racism is and how that functions in a workplace and a personal environment. So it's something that I have to deal with daily, but I know so many others do as well. So it's an ongoing struggle. To me, it really sounds like you are walking into the lion's den every time you enter these boardrooms. Do you ever feel that? Yes. Um, normally, it's me and about eight company representatives, most of them being lawyers. And, and depending on where we're at in the engagement progress, if it's a friendly first call, it's normally uh, very low stakes. If it goes to a resolution and the company's not happy about it, then those do get to be very tense calls. But I've been thankful enough that the majority of companies that I have engaged with have all had a very positive outlook on racial justice and environmental justice and really want to see that change happen in their business practices. And do you ever feel like companies assume that you or, or just as you sow is out to get them, is trying to catch them out? There have been cases where companies come off prickly because they do see this organization from Northern California ranking and monitoring them on ESG issues and they feel threatened. But once we have that initial phone call and they realize that we create educational tools to help companies make material progress on important ESG issues, they begin to understand and work with us in the short term and in the long term to build better business practices. So that was Olivia, and it was really good talking to her about the great work she's doing. Sadly, though, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can now read our free annual review on the reports page on our website. And of course, if you want something discussed on a future episode or want to hear a particular guest, just email us at press at insightia.com. We are always wanting suggestions from you. I'm Kieran Paul. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Olivia again, and I'll see you next time.